Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be with you. Uh, as Russell said, yeah, my name is Joe. I'm part of a, a missions organization called YWAM, otherwise known as Youth of the Mission, and uh, originally from the UK. And uh, yeah, just so excited to be here in Fungaday, uh, to be part of a missions team who's just sold out for Jesus, who just wants to see the kingdom of God come uh, in this city. And uh, I just want to say a huge thank you actually to everyone in this church for uh, just adopting me as part of the community, especially to Pastor Russell. You've just done such a great job in just making me feel welcome. And uh, yeah, it's, this church is on a trajectory that I believe that God is taking this, this church into a place where we're going to see the kingdom of God come uh, through the obedience that we we uh, say when we say yes to Jesus, the kingdom of God is going to come through this church. I just sense like a real hunger. I feel the presence of God in the room this morning, and uh, yeah, just so excited for what God is going to do. And it's something that I'm so passionate about. Actually, is seeing the kingdom of God come. Is when we're a missionary, well, as a missionary, and even just as a follower of Jesus, seeing the kingdom of God come is an incredible thing. And when I'm in a, a prayer meeting, when I'm in a church service, you'll often hear me pray prayers like, Jesus, I enthrone you as king, because wherever Jesus is enthroned as king, he has full jurisdiction to release kingdom reality in the room. So I just wondered if I could invite you guys to maybe just stand with me. Because I, I want to pray and I want to invite Jesus to come and take his, his place on his throne this morning. Because we want kingdom reality. We don't want to wait for in, in a couple of months' time. We don't want to delay. We want kingdom reality. We want kingdom, uh, yeah, we want the kingdom to break out here. So Jesus, we just thank you that you're in the room. Jesus, we just invite you. We just look at you right now, Jesus. And we just say thank you for what you're doing already in this community. I say thank you for what you're already doing in, in the hearts of your people. And we just say, Jesus, come and take your throne. Come and take your throne, Jesus. Where you're king, the kingdom of God is at hand. So we just thank you, Jesus. We honor you in this place. We come before you with the fear of the Lord, with open hearts, Lord, this morning. And we honor you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. So the YWAM team had a, a real honor and blessing. Like we, we were able to travel to Fiji uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and we were partnering with an organization called Yachts for Life, which is also a YWAM base. And their sole uh, purpose, really, their mission is to kind of sail around the Fijian islands delivering uh, training uh, courses for, for pastors uh, to preach the gospel, to see people getting healed, uh, general kind of mission stuff. And we partnered with this organization. We spent... Uh, some time in a city called Latoka, and then we traveled to another island uh, called, I think it was called Naviti, uh, in the Asawa uh, Islands, and we just saw God do the most amazing, amazing things. We saw God break out uh, in releasing his kingdom through, through the things that we prayed for, so whether that might be healing, whether that might be just preaching the gospel, hanging out with kids, doing the dishes, we just did anything that, that we um, felt like would serve and bless the community there. Our heart posture when we went was really to kind of say, Jesus, like, what do you want to do? And how can we be obedient to kind of what you're like leading us to? So a lot of the time we went out and prayed uh, for people on the streets. We, we went out for evangelism and uh, partnered with local churches, things like that. And I want to tell you a really amazing story of a guy called uh, Shiri. And I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of his name, so I do apologize. But Shiri was a, an Indo-Fijian guy who we met in a church. Uh, and we, we went to the church, we did 
uh, an impromptu service that was sprung on us last minute, and uh, it was super fun. But uh, the pastor, he comes up to, I think it was Barry, uh, one of our leaders, and said, uh, there's a guy at the back that needs prayer. There's a guy that who needs uh, healing. Uh, and so we, we went there, and it turned out that this guy had had a stroke five years ago. And so as a result of the stroke, he had lost all kind of uh, feeling in his left leg. So he, his left leg was numb, and he would kind of walk with these sticks, and he would kind of like walk with, take one step, and then just drag his like left leg along. And uh, he was in a lot of pain. And uh, can, you can imagine that his, uh, the amount of hope that he felt was quite low. And, and so we were praying for him, and uh, we just kept pressing in. And I, we had this kind of tenacity about us because we were there to see the kingdom of God break out. And this was something that was presented to us, an opportunity for God to break in. And so we started to pray for this guy, and we just kept praying, praying, praying. And then he began to kind of pinch our arms. He was just like saying, hey, like, I, I'm feeling something. I'm feeling something in, in my leg. And so we kept pressing in for healing. We kept going. We said, in the name of Jesus, be healed we command this leg to wake up in Jesus' name. And we were just trying to release the kingdom of God into his body. And so I, I felt like God gave me a prophetic word for him that he had suffered with uh, rejection. And uh, it turns out that uh, through the translation of his sister who was helping us, um, it, it turned out that he had been rejected uh, by his wife and by his community, his friends. And uh, he had been suffering with this, almost like excommunication. No one really knows why uh, he won't talk about it, uh, but uh, we got to pray healing over his heart. We got to pray uh, a blessing on him and speak truth that he is a son of God. And we kept going. We kept praying. We just didn't give up. And eventually, he stands up, and we, we invite him to take a risk. And we say, hold on to our arms. So Barry and I were there, and we were either side of him, and he was kind of holding on to our arms. And we were walking with him, and I said to him, hey, when you feel ready, take your hands off of our arms and try to take steps by yourself. And eventually he, he did, and he takes some steps, he turns around, he looks back at Barry and I, and he's like, I can walk now. And, and he'd taken steps by himself for the very first time in five years, because two people would be willing to, to pray like 10 times with this tenacity in their hearts for the kingdom of God to be released in his body. And it took him some time to kind of, to kind of realize, man, what has actually happened to me? And, and so he ends up walking out uh, of the church holding his sticks. And admittedly, he was a little bit wobbly. He hadn't used his leg for five years, so it was still weak. But um, he'd walked out to his car, and he was sat out in the, in, in the car, and he was just struck by the joy of the Lord. But this is just one example of where the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God breaks into somebody's story, it brings about, it brings about restoration to his body. But not only his body, but God reveals something about his heart that he wanted to heal as well. See, God is a, a God who heals the body, but he's also a God of wholeness and restoration to the heart and to the emotions too. And uh, when, when the kingdom is present, um, we, we get to, we get to um, see these uh, things in reality. We get to step out and we get to see God break in. And we get to be in this uh, incredible relationship with God uh, where we get to partner with him. And that's just awesome that we get to be invited into that. Uh, I want to read a scripture, uh, Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. Uh, and it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven 
from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And this is an amazing picture of where we are heading. This is the hope that we have as Christians. This is the good news this morning, that we are heading towards a, a kingdom that is coming, that Jesus is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth here, and, and he is going to rule and reign where we are going to be reunited with God, just like Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. That, that, that gap that was created by sin. See, when we sinned in the garden, a separation, like I'm separated from you. And if I, when, when Jesus comes by his blood, we are now reunited back with God, where he is going to be with us for, for the whole of eternity. And this is the good news of the Christian faith. By the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, what he did for us, we get to participate and we get to be with God forever. And this is the conclusion. This is the climax of God's redemptive mission. But this raises questions for us, I think, as a, as a church, as a Christian. I think where, where we get to see this coming kingdom, but we're stuck in this tension of the now and not yet. What do we do whilst we wait for, for God to, to kind of unfold these, uh, these plans for the final scenes of the story to kind of play out? What do we do as Christians? How do we act? What, what are we uh, to be involved with? What is the purpose of living? If we're just going to be with him anyway, why don't we just sit around and do nothing? until we get there. But I, I think there are some, some things in the scriptures that would suggest otherwise. And I think understanding God's intention for the church is a really important thing for us to be able to understand when, when we're looking to like, ask God, like, what, are we, what are we meant to do as Christians? You know, understanding what he intended for us uh, to be as the church uh, is a good place to start for that. So I want you to turn your Bibles uh, to Matthew uh, chapter 16, and we're going to be reading from verse uh, 13 uh, down to verse uh, 20. So that is Matthew 16, verses 13 down to 20. And as you're turning there in your Bibles, I just want to give you some context uh, to what's happening in this story. And at, at this point, Jesus had gone to, uh, with his disciples, they'd gone down to Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi was one of, if not the most evil places in the whole of Israel. It was uh, the home of occult worship. And it had three main demonic centers within, within the place. Uh, the first demonic center was the Temple of Caesar, which represented this governmental authority that was ruling and reigning. It was almost like idolizing Caesar. It was designed to, to represent the government of Rome. The second temple, um, the demonic center, sorry, was the Temple of Pan. This represented uh, like idol worship. Anything that was enthroned as a god besides Jesus, this was the worship of all idols. The third uh, demonic center 
temple was the gates of Hades. And yes, the gates of Hades was actually a real place. They would uh, do human sacrifices in this place. It would be literally the epitome of hell on earth, essentially. It was the place that represented the all demonic power, all demonic strongholds. It was like hell on earth, literally in this place. And so we have Jesus coming to this place with his disciples. And we pick up the story in verse 13. Uh, and it says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom uh, of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And so before I draw anything out of this story, I just want to have a look at this word that Jesus uses for the church. And he uses this Greek word called ekklesia. And a few of you may have heard of this word before, but I just want to have a look at what this actually means. So if you look at the etymology of this word, so essentially if you look at what root words in the, in the Greek, uh, if you break it down into the root words that ekklesia was made of, uh, we find that there are two words. The first one is the word ek. And this is uh, to mean out of, or it can denote a separation from one group from another group. And then the second root word that makes up ecclesia is the word kaleo. And this is a word that it means to be called. So when you put these words together, it means uh, to, to get a group of people, to call them out, and to be given a purpose. So, so according to... Um, the, there's a journal of, uh, from Liberty University that I was reading about this, and according to, to this uh, journal uh, article that I read, uh, the ecclesia in Athens at the time when this was uh, happening was around 40,000 men who would basically assemble. They were a called-out group of people by a higher authority, and they would assemble together to, to carry out a governmental, uh, their governmental responsibilities. Their, their purpose was to kind of vote democratically on policies. Their, their whole purpose was to, um, to, to meet together and the policies that they would uh, vote on would be anything that you would associate with the government, finance, investment, um, war, peace, and uh, just quality of life. And everything that they did, everything that they uh, were working towards was for the benefit of the people that they were around. And so I find it very, very interesting that when Jesus, he comes to this place, this, this darkest, most evil place in the whole of Israel, and he decides that he wants to reveal two very key things. The first one, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And when, when Peter, he, he gets this divine revelation that Jesus is the Christ, and, and he gets some brownie points. Jesus like, well done, Peter. You know, the Father's revealed this to you. It's awesome. And, and Jesus is the promised king. So the whole of the Old Testament, if you think about, if you just put yourselves in, in the, the shoes of a Jewish uh, person at that time, 
that the promised Messiah, that all the prophets had pointed towards, uh, the, the desperation of, of this, like, oh, when will the Messiah come? And, and almost probably a frustration and maybe a lack of hope and a, a lack of faith that actually they're going to see the Messiah in their day. Maybe they were feeling a little bit down and out. But then Jesus comes and he's saying, all of this time, that the, the whole of Israel has been waiting. I am the fulfillment. I am the Christ. I'm the promised king. I am the one who's going to bring liberty to the captives. I'm going to set people free. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to establish a governmental uh, structure, a kingdom, and I'm going to rule and I'm going to reign. And uh, on the, the second thing that Jesus chose to reveal was on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And a lot of people think that he meant Peter when he was saying that on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And my interpretation, I'll just submit my interpretation to you guys on this. And I, I personally don't think he was saying on Peter that he would build his church because he uses the word this. He doesn't use you, Peter, I will build my church. He says on this rock, I will build my church. And he seemed, Jesus seemed very concerned with what Peter was saying because if you read on in the story, Verses 21 to, uh, to 23, uh, Jesus is revealing how this governmental uh, structure was going to come, come to being. And it was through him laying down his life. It was through him suffering. And in Peter, he, he finds it within, within himself to kind of say, hey, Jesus, come to the side a second. I just need to rebuke you and tell you that what your plans are are not what's going to happen. And Jesus responds to him, get behind me, Satan. So, so Jesus, Peter kind of goes from this one minute, he's like this hero. He gets this divine revelation from God that Jesus is the promised one. He is the king. He is the Messiah. And then on the next, in basically next scene in the story, Peter is being referred to as, as Satan. And so I don't really think Jesus was calling Peter Satan. I think he was more concerned with what Peter was actually saying. So when he says, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, I, I believe that Jesus was saying that on, on the very revelation that Jesus is the king, that he was going to build his ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. There seems to be this intentional statement that Jesus wants to, to make that is due to his life, death, and resurrection, that then there is now like a new governmental authority that is accessible and available to the world. We no longer have to come under this demonic culture uh, where we are subject to the torment and the suffering uh, that comes with, with the devil ruling and reigning, uh, but we have access to this kingdom realm where we can usher in the kingdom of God just like we witnessed uh, happen to Shiri and to many, many others. I would love to stand here and just tell you all testimonies of what we saw in Fiji. And we're so full of faith that we can see it here in Fungaday. God is the same God in Fiji that he, has, that he is here. And he can do the same things here through me, through the team, and through you, and through every other church in, in, this, uh, in this city. If we, if we trust that there is a new authority that's coming. There's a new authority that we can access uh, under the kingdom of God where Jesus is king. And let me tell you, there are so many issues in society. There are so many things that I, I believe that are demonic in nature. Not all of them, but there's a lot of things that are rooted in the demonic. There's so many issues that we um, are called to engage with. There, there's the issue of homelessness here in, in Fangare. There is the issue with, with loneliness, with addiction, with abortion, 
absent mothers and fathers. There's broken families. There's abuse in all kinds of forms, whether that might be racial abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse. Idol worship, people idolizing the things in culture and, and worshiping the things that are not Jesus. Sexual immorality. We have LGBTQ issues and, and gender confusion that is warring against the church. And God is asking who will stand up, who will stand up at the darkest places in the city and who will say that there is a kingdom of God that wants to come and wants to advance and wants to war against the things that are coming against God's people. Because these are injustices that we get to stand up and we get to partner with with God in releasing the kingdom. And these things are not uh, of the kingdom of God, uh, but it's for the ecclesia. It's for the, the assembled church that are given a governmental authority to do something about it. If, if you are a follower of Christ this morning, you are called to participate in a shift of government where, we, uh, where the kingdom authority rests upon us, where we can walk with this security in the kingdom, and we can say, no, we will not have an issue of homelessness in Fungale. We're going to pray, we're going to ask God, and we're going to find these people homes, we're going to find a solution to the problem, and we're going to see the kingdom of God uh, bring restoration and redemption, and to bring dignity, to bring honor. We're going we're gonna to look for heavenly uh, solutions to the problems that warring against the people of this city. And for so long, for so long, Western Christianity has kind of plagued the global church, I think, uh, in the sense that we, we've kind of allowed consumerism to take uh, over how we follow Jesus. If we, if we um, come to church, we, we're so f- like concerned with the quality of the experience that we are uh, receiving from the church. We're so concerned, what can we get from God on a, on a Sunday. And, and if you're anything like me, uh, you've used God probably as a vending machine that when you sin, you kind of pray a prayer. You, it's kind of the payment method. You press a button or pull a lever and out comes forgiveness in a cute little package that we can take with us. And then and we can walk with this little package thinking, I'm forgiven. I'm saved. This is great. Until I sin again and then I have to pray another prayer, pop it back in the vending machine, press another button and out comes forgiveness again. And this is not the kingdom. This is not what God wanted for us. There's so much more. There's so much more than consumerist Christianity. Uh, we don't, if you're a Christian this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, then, then your responsibility as a follower of Jesus is not just to come to church for what I can get, but it's come to what can I bring? What can I participate in? Uh, it's more than just to, to listen to some worship uh, songs. It's more than just to uh, listen to a preacher tell, tell us something that he or she has um, uh, read in the Bible. It's more than to, to go back home and to have nothing changed in our lives. When we come to church, we come to the presence of God. And I was so encouraged by the worship this morning. It was awesome. Like, I felt the presence, the tangible presence of God. And it was hugely encouraging for me this morning because I'm like, God is here. How, how is he going to reorient things in my life? How is he going to change the things in my life so that I can go out on the Monday morning and, and be fully prepared and fully equipped to do the things that God has instructed me to do? And, and how can I be equipped and, and encouraged by God to then go out and to, to serve his kingdom on, on the outside of the church walls? So, so now we understand kind of a little bit about what the ecclesia is and its function 
but um, what does this actually mean for us as Christians? What does it mean for the, for the normal person who's got a nine-to-five job? Well, the ecclesia that God built is called to engage with the different spheres of society. It, it, we're called to, uh, to engage with the kingdom of perspective, to bring this kingdom perspective, and uh, we're called to, to operate within the spheres, uh, releasing kingdom principles, releasing the gospel message. So whether that might mean you're in a business and you own a business and you're like, Jesus, how, how can I listen to you and, and how, in, how, how does enthroning the King Jesus look in my business? How do you treat your staff? How do you treat your, uh, the people that buy stuff from you? How do you treat um, other people that come to your business? How do you operate with finances? How do you see finances? What are your main priorities within that business? And you're asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, direct me, like teach me what is the kingdom principles of business? Or whether that might mean you're, you're on the streets or you're in pack and save or uh, whether you're in your schools, universities, uh, offices, whatever it means. Maybe it's praying for the guy who's making coffee uh, in the in the kitchen of your office and and you see that he's a little bit down in the dump so it's Monday morning and he's just made a comment oh another week and you're there to bring hope you're there to bring joy you're there because Monday means another week that you get to be with Jesus and you get to release the kingdom of God in your workplaces it means that we get to engage with these spheres of society that we find ourselves in and it means we get to release the kingdom wherever we go uh, we get to um release the kingdom in, in other ways, through healing, through signs, through wonders like we experience in Fiji, when you're on the streets, when you're in churches, when you're uh, even in your workplaces, we can see people getting healed. We can see miracles, testimonies, sharing stories with people. Uh, we can preach the gospel. We're called to make disciples. We're called to walk the journey with people. We're called to listen to those who need to be listened to. We're called to sit with those who are hurting. We're called to uh, pray for those who are hurting as well. We're called to, to just be with people in the midst of their suffering. We're called to so much more than what we think we're called to. And we're called to take the authority that Jesus gives to those who follow him very seriously. In Luke 9 and Luke 10, Jesus is sending out the 12, and then uh, I think Luke 9, he sends out the 12, and then in Luke uh, uh, 10, he sends out the 72, and he sends, go out, take nothing with you, and uh, eat whatever's put in front of you, and I'm giving you authority uh, to over all demons and over all sickness, go in this authority, and then proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near. Where there's signs and wonders, when there's kingdom, uh, when there's heavenly kind of uh, manifestations, so when people get healed, when people get financial miracles and financial breakthrough, the kingdom of God is at hand and it is present. And we are to be ministers of this kingdom to people. So I want to finish by just suggesting a couple things this morning that actually... We, we talk about revival a lot, and uh, I had the, the pleasure of, of studying a little bit of revival history on my degree program, and, and one thing that I found was revival is, is a reorientation. It, it's when the church, if you look in church history, when, when you strayed off of the path that God's original intention for the church, that's when he's like, nope, I'm just going to bring you back around onto the path that I originally created, and, and it's not... Revival is not to be idolized. Revival is something is when when the church has been disobedient, <laughs> and God's like, in my grace, 
I'm going to pour out signs and wonders. I'm going to do the work because you've gone so far, you've lost the track. You know? And so he brings us back around with this most amazing way of outpouring of his spirit. And we're often marked with signs and wonders and people coming to faith. And it's incredible. And there's so many stories um, and prophecies. Of, of revival coming to, to uh, New Zealand. And I've heard a lot of prophecies in each community. I think you'll find that wherever you go in New Zealand, it's the same everywhere in the world. Every church has their own uh, prophecies about what God wants to do through their communities. They, each town, the churches have prophecies about their towns. And uh, then you have like regional prophecies, you have national prophecies and international prophecies and all this stuff. And it's amazing. And we love it. And we test each prophecy. We hold it before the Lord. Uh, and we, we just ask him, like, God, if you want to pour out revival, we're here for it and we love it. But what if God is asking a question this morning of what was the original intention for his church? Whether we are looking at revival, like, what, what, it, what would it mean for us not to look at revival? But what would it mean for us to be like, God, what was your intention for the ecclesia, to be the missional body of Christ, for every, uh, for every Christian to, to engage in, in this like governmental mandate that Jesus wants to bestow on us and wants us to engage with? What would it look like for us to actually participate? And I think Acts 2 uh, talks about the early church, and it's an incredible, incredible uh, picture where they, they assemble together as the ecclesia. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And it says that awe came upon the church as signs and wonders were done. They had this godly reverence. They had this godly like, oh, Lord, I'm in awe of what you're doing when signs and wonders break out. And uh, they, they sold all of their possessions. They gave to all who had need. And, and they, um, they had everything in common. So there was, there was no distinction between old, young, man or woman, uh, whether you're a child, the older person. Uh, there was no distinction of how rich or how poor you were. Everyone gave everything that they had to the ecclesia. And it was like, in our community, we're going to function with kingdom principles where no one is going to be in need, where no one is going to uh, be lonely, when, when no one is going to be cast out of the community, where everybody has a home, where everybody has belonging, where everybody is valued, where we can pray for the sick and they're going to be healed, where the kingdom uh, reality is released through the people that have faith and are willing to step out and take a risk to pray for that person who is sick. So, so I want to suggest this morning that, that we came to church, and I, I don't know what you're expecting this morning, but I want to come with, with this uh, challenge of like, man, the, like, <laughs> life is too short for us just to bumble through and, and just to say, oh, I, I'm just going to go to church on a Sunday I'm going to go back to my Monday job, and I'm just going to get through the week so I can get back to the weekend. And, uh, I'm, you know, we're just going to live like an ordinary lifestyle. No, Jesus has called you to way much more than that, and life is too short, and, and life is, is too valuable, and Jesus is too good <laughs> to, to not want to engage with what he's instructing us, uh, instructing us to engage with. And uh, I want to encourage I want to encourage you to maybe take that extra couple of minutes with the person in your workplace that is making coffee to listen to ask them how they're doing and to be like, God, prophetically, God, is there something that I can release here that will speak life 
that will speak blessing, that will speak honor and bestow honor upon people. And maybe that they're sick. Maybe you just have this something inside of you that's like, yeah, actually, the kingdom of God means healing. Let me pray for you. And, and you just take risks. And we're willing to give our whole lives to it. Because when Jesus said to his disciples that, that he was going to build his ecclesia, he said the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. It doesn't mean that the gates of hell will not come against you, but it means that it will not prevail against you. So when we have faith, we need to have courage to step out in the power of the Spirit. I wondered if I could just invite you to stand and if I could get the worship team to come back up, if possible, please. And as the worship team come back up and they, they begin to play, I want us just to fix our eyes on Jesus. And, and I just want us to fix our eyes on him being king. And what does that mean for us to be in his kingdom this morning? And I, I, I feel like there is a response that we can, we can have this morning, if you would like to, if you would like to commit to saying yes to Jesus, yes to this, this call that is placed on each of your lives. It doesn't matter how old or how young, how qualified or disqualified you feel. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, where you, <laughs> like, what kind of upbringing you have, how much money you have. You are called to engage with this kingdom uh, reality this morning. So if that is you, I think we have a prayer team. Uh, that would be uh, willing to pray with you. So if I could invite the prayer team to come up, and I, I guess we could just make some space just available over in this uh, section over here uh, to the left of, to your left of the stage. And there might be some dreams that you have. There might be some, some things that you uh, feel from the Lord. It's like actually maybe homelessness is something that you're gripped by. <laughs> maybe it's um, something like... Um, uh, sexual immorality and you want to just go after uh, purity in this, in this city. Maybe you want to uh, find solutions to injustices in this city. Whatever it might be that God is placing on your heart, I would just love it if you would commit this morning and just say yes to Jesus. To say, yes, God, I will come and I'll bring the kingdom authority. It doesn't mean you have to have all the plans. It doesn't mean you have to have everything in place. But it does mean that you can say yes to him this morning. So I just invite you to come forward. Come forward to get prayer this morning. In Jesus' name.